Dennis Rodman, Justin Bieber, and Barack Obama. Earlier this year in 2014, all of these men weighed in on a subject that might have something to do with your own personal quality of life. This is a brave new world we're living in, especially in parts of America. And I don't think you're going to want to miss this edition of The Voice of Prophecy. Welcome to another episode of The Voice of Prophecy. I'm Sean Boonstra, your host, and I am really glad you decided to tune in today. And I guess I want to start today with a few news items from early in 2014. And these items were about similar topics and happened to break in the very same week, or maybe it was two weeks, but these stories came really close together. On the one hand, you had Dennis Rodman coming back from North Korea and checking himself into rehab because apparently his drinking got a little out of control while he was visiting the communist dictatorship. So, of course, the big story most people obsess about is the fact that Dennis Rodman seems to be supporting this oppressive communist regime. But that's not the story that caught my attention, because his visit to rehab also was undeniably pretty big news. So, on the one hand, you had alcohol, maybe for the hundred millionth time, making it into the headlines. But then, that same week, we had the President of the United States, the leader of the free world, telling us that pot is no more dangerous than alcohol. And of course, that kind of marked a new day in the official American attitude towards marijuana. Because for decades, I mean, since the beginning of the war on drugs, marijuana could get you some pretty serious time in jail. But this is a new day. President Obama told a reporter at The New Yorker, and, and I quote, I smoked pot as a kid, and I view it as a bad habit and a vice. Not very different from the cigarettes that I smoked as a young person up through a big chunk of my adult life. I don't think it is more dangerous than alcohol. And unquote. Basically, the president said that pot use is just unhealthy. And as you can imagine, it didn't take long for some groups to challenge that statement. The Drug-Free America Foundation especially took issue with it, saying, and, and now I'm quoting again, his laissez-faire attitude about legalization has drug policy and prevention experts scratching their heads in confusion as to why the president will not give clear guidance on this important issue. And, unquote. And actually, that wasn't a verbal statement that somebody made. It, it came off of their website. And Drug-Free America Foundation isn't the only one complaining. Other groups like the National Institute on Drug Abuse also weighed in, pointing out that many people find marijuana addictive, and they're worried about the potential problems that will come in the wake of legalization. If the NIDA, I mean, if that's how they abbreviate their organization, I'm just guessing that, the NIDA claims that pot causes obvious academic problems for a lot of school kids, and they claim that higher doses can lead to psychoses or panic attacks. So, there you have it. You've got two psychoactive substances, both in the news in the same week. And then about a week later, Justin Bieber makes the news by using both substances. If you remember this, he, he got arrested for racing through the streets of Miami, and it turns out he was drunk driving and stoned driving. And of course, the bigger story with Bieber has to do with marijuana because alcohol's old hat. We've heard that story a thousand times. This isn't really news because people have been abusing alcohol quite legally for a long, long time. But pot hasn't been legal, so that made the bigger headline. Now, 
Here's what I want you to think about, because 2014 was also the year that Washington and Colorado actually legalized recreational pot. So what should Christians think about all of this? What should we think about legalized marijuana? I mean, we have to think about it because this is the new reality and it's probably just the beginning. I suspect we're starting to see other states take the same step in the near future, especially if they start to smell an opportunity to collect taxes on all of this. So if I were to make an educated guess, I would hazard to say that other states will probably follow suit. How many? I don't know. Call it a wild guess, but I don't think this is going to stop with Colorado and Washington. So you and I had better start thinking about this because pot is about to move out of the shadows into the light of day. It might not be legal in your town yet. It might not be legal today, but there's a reasonably good chance that this is coming. So you know, you know you have to deal with it. You can't just tell your kids, hey, this is illegal, stay away from it. You're going to have to do some more thinking. You're going to have to be more persuasive because there's no more criminal record and there's no more jail time to worry about. You really now have to think about why this might not be a good idea. Now, if you go ask Dr. Sanjay Gupta, you know, the, the famous medical correspondent for CNN, he'll tell you that legalization is actually a step in the right direction. Now, he's not in favor of recreational use, but he has changed his mind about the way we treat marijuana in general. And to some extent, he really kind of has a point. He noticed that 15% of alcohol users eventually develop a dependency problem. But marijuana only becomes a problem for something like 9 or 10% of users. So on that front, the president appears to be right. Marijuana is probably less dangerous. And of course, when you compare both of those numbers to the granddaddy of all addictions, tobacco, well, they just pale by comparison. According to an essay by Dr. Gupta, something like 30% of tobacco users become dependent, which, if you ask me, seems like a really low number, just 30%. But I don't have any other data in front of me, so I'm going to go with the 30%. 30%. Now, out of those three things, tobacco, alcohol, and marijuana, it's actually pot that has the best track record. I mean, statistically speaking. Not that it has a good track record. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. This is kind of like comparing thieves and how much they stole. But on that front, pot does seem to be the least destructive. And yet, in this society, pot is illegal and alcohol is not. Until recently, marijuana could put you behind bars for a considerable length of time. But cigarettes are perfectly legal. And I've got to admit, I mean, if I'm really honest and I'm really thinking about this, that does seem a little inconsistent. So Dr. Sanjay Gupta might have a point. He actually used to fight the legalization of marijuana, but recently he's relaxed his attitude, particularly when it comes to some of the medical benefits and pain relief that marijuana can bring to chronically ill patients. But again, I should probably stress that he does not endorse recreational pot, and I am not endorsing recreational pot. What we're talking about now is medical marijuana. So then, let's move on to recreational pot. Let's leave medical marijuana out of the equation for a moment, because really, I don't think there are very many of us who would deny a truly suffering patient some pain relief if that's what marijuana can do. I'd be the first to say, let the dying patient, let the person in unbearable pain have it if it's the only thing that works. If it's the only thing that gets their seizures under control, if it's the only thing that brings any relief, 
I think at this stage, we can all agree that if marijuana has medical benefits, and I'm talking real medical benefits, then we probably shouldn't ignore that. And that's not really the issue we need to think about. So I want to shift our focus to recreational marijuana because that's really what's at stake with this new legalization. And I want to ask some really good questions about this. And I want to ask my questions from a Christian perspective. And that's going to take a little bit of time. So I'll tell you what, I'm up against our first break. And we want to take that break so you can learn more about the Discover Bible School. And then after that, I'll come right back and we'll start to talk about marijuana. It's not every day you'll hear this on a Christian radio program, so don't you touch that dial. Don't you surf to another website. This is probably different than any other show you're going to listen to today. Do you feel as if you have more questions than answers in your life? Can God really forgive me? And how can I have peace and assurance in my day-to-day life? Are you searching for answers to these and other of life's biggest questions? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or pick up the phone and call 888-456-7922 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free lessons mailed right to your home. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Okay, we are back from our break, and we're talking about this new level of acceptance for marijuana in two American states. And we're also talking about this rising tide of acceptance by the public in general. Even the President of the United States seems to be trying to soften the country's official stance by stating that he doesn't believe pot is any more dangerous than alcohol. And personally, and this is my opinion, to some extent I think he's right. I mean, if you just want to compare habits, the president has a point. It does seem inconsistent to lock people away when they use marijuana and then not do that when they're drinking or smoking tobacco. I mean, we know about the negative impact of the legal drugs on family and society. We know the drain on the healthcare system, but still, we treat drinkers and smokers like adults. We still determine that drinking or smoking is a personal choice. Now, it might not be a good choice, it might not be the best choice, but we say, hey, look, if you're an adult, that's your choice to make. We we try to discourage it, we try to educate people, especially our young people, but we don't even imagine trying to make those things a criminal offense. But that's exactly what we did with marijuana. We made it a crime. Alcohol has killed untold tens of thousands of people through car accidents, through domestic violence, through outright alcohol poisoning. But as I understand it, and I could be wrong, I'm I'm not the world's biggest expert on it, but as I understand it, there has never, ever been a single documented case of someone dying because they smoked a joint. I mean, not somebody who died directly because they did it. Now, before you call the station, before you write me letters, let me say again and be perfectly clear, I am not suggesting that marijuana is harmless, and I'm not suggesting you try it. I am not suggesting that you go easy on your kids or you let them try it. That is not my point at all. All I'm really doing is trying to point out that we treat different psychoactive drugs differently. We've been inconsistent. And don't make any mistake about it, alcohol is also a psychoactive drug but we treat it differently. We've been inconsistent. Alcohol kills far more people. It is implicated in far more domestic violence. It has piled up far more cars on the freeway. It has piled up far more bodies in the morgue. But somehow, 
We've made that socially acceptable. Drinking is legal. Marijuana is not. I mean, for that matter, nicotine is legal, even though far more people die from cigarettes each year than ever die from using pot. I mean, the way it stands now. Now, I could be wrong about this, especially if we continue to push cigarette smokers into their socially unacceptable corners. And I I could be wrong if pot use continues to rise. I might discover that my statement is inaccurate. But as it is today, right now, there's no question which habit costs the most with the American public. There is no question which habit is more deadly. And yet here we are. Cigarettes are legal. Nobody would ever dream of locking you up for smoking a cigarette. But marijuana continues to buy you jail time. You know, I could even buy cigarettes for a minor. I would never do it. That's not my point. I would never do it. But I could buy cigarettes for a minor and maybe get my wrist slapped, maybe get a fine. But you know what would happen if I treated marijuana that way? I'd go to jail. And I know what some of you are thinking. Those aren't the same. Marijuana's a drug and tobacco isn't. And that's where you're wrong. Nicotine is also a psychoactive drug. We don't think of it that way because so many people use it. Like THC or alcohol, nicotine crosses the blood-brain barrier and it actually changes your mood. It changes your behavior. It alters how you think. I mean, if we really want to get down to brass tacks, caffeine is also a psychoactive drug. It changes your mood. It changes your behavior. It changes how you think and feel. But caffeine, nicotine, alcohol, they're all perfectly legal and in some circles acceptable. But marijuana gets special treatment. So I do say it's inconsistent. And I know that some of you are wondering, why in the world am I going on about this? On and on and on. Am I in favor of it? Well, I hope it's clear by now. Absolutely not. Of course, as I mentioned before, in medical cases where it's used to alleviate real conditions and real pain, okay, fine. But recreational use? I think Christians need to really think twice about that. If not because of health principles, then because of biblical spiritual principles. So no, this show is not a plug for marijuana use. Don't you dare use what I'm saying that way. This is not an endorsement. I guess it's just a plea to be consistent, to be intelligent about this. And if you really want to be consistent as a person of faith, then I think you've got to take it one step further. You've got to ask yourself why we were so hard on marijuana in the first place. Is it because it has negative side effects, like it lowers your IQ and it increases the chance of psychotic behavior? Have we been hard on it because it affects the way you think and it actually slows you down? Is it because of the way it damages your ability to function in a rational, responsible way? Are we hard on it because you just aren't thinking clearly when you use it? If those are the reasons we say it's a bad idea, then the next question we need to ask is this, and you might want to buckle your seatbelts for this one. The next question we need to ask is why we think it's okay to use the other legal psychoactive substances, but not marijuana. Because obviously, those other substances have negative side effects too. So now I want to swing the story away from President Obama, and I want to bring it back to Dennis Rodman. And I want to touch on a very delicate subject, so get ready to have your toes stepped on, some of you. Our subject now is how Christians relate to alcohol. And I don't think you're going to want to miss what I'm about to say, no matter where you stand on this issue. Don't you go away, because I'm about to come right back and talk about your liquor cabinet. And you heard me right, I'm about to get that personal. I'll be back in just a moment. 
Do you feel as if you have more questions than answers in your life? Are you searching for answers to some of life's biggest questions? The Discover Bible Guides can help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or call us at 888-456-7922 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Millions of Americans, and I guess I should probably say North Americans, millions of us routinely include psychoactive drugs, mood changers, with our daily routine. For some of us, it's just as simple as a cup of coffee with your breakfast, but with others, it's that smoke on the back porch or a nightcap before you go to bed. Now, if you asked Benjamin Franklin what he thought about this need we have to supplement our reality with psychoactive chemicals, you might actually get a bit of support. In fact, Ben Franklin's been quoted as saying beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. Now, if that story's true, it means Ben Franklin thought that life would be harder if we didn't have these chemicals, if we didn't have these chemical crutches like alcohol to help us blunt the reality of life. And if you ask most modern Christians, they tend to agree. The consensus seems to be that drinking in moderation is a good thing. Now, we might have given up on smoking, we know that's bad, and we were against pot, but a lot of us seem to favor alcohol. Of course, we don't believe in getting drunk, that would be unchristian, but moderate use, would that be okay? Is there any chance that Ben Franklin was right, that moderate drinking is a gift from God? A lot of people in recent years seem to agree. And in fact, that's the message I got growing up. But back in 2013, Dr. Timothy Namey, an alcohol researcher at the School of Public Health at Boston University Medical Center, he suggested the answer is no. On the balance, he said, of all people who begin drinking, many more people are killed by alcohol than helped by it. And you know, the good doctor isn't just talking about the obvious stuff like drunk driving or clumsy accidents. He's actually talking about cancer. Alcohol is a known carcinogen, even when you use it in moderation, even one drink a day. And it's been implicated in something like 20,000 cancer deaths every single year. And that might surprise you, but it doesn't surprise researchers, because heavy alcohol consumption comes with a huge range of risks. I mean, we've always known it's risky, but what surprises researchers is the fact that one-third of alcohol deaths are coming from moderate drinkers, a drink and a half a day or less. Most of us would say, hey, that's reasonable. It may seem reasonable to some people, but it's also deadly. And tragically, some of the biggest victims are women. While more men die from alcohol-related causes because we tend to do a lot more stupid things, something like 15% of breast cancer cases can actually be traced back to alcohol. That makes it a significant or a serious factor. And, and just so guys don't feel left out, alcohol's also been implicated in a huge range of your cancers, mouth, throat, esophagus, and uh, of course the obvious ones like liver and colon cancer. Look, this is a killer, even in moderation. So I want to ask an intelligent question. It seems perfectly reasonable for Christians to be opposed to marijuana use, and I would agree with that wholeheartedly. It's a bad idea. You should have a clear mind. But somehow we draw a different line in the sand and we say that you can use alcohol with moderation. And of all the people in the world we draw on to build that case, we usually quote Jesus, which is shocking when you say it out loud, but that's what we do. 
So we're going to take a look at that because I know some of you were already thinking about it the moment I brought alcohol up. I mean, didn't Jesus change the water into wine at the wedding feast in Cana? Didn't he encourage drinking? I mean, obviously Jesus wouldn't be in favor of drunkenness, but moderate drinking? Well, to get to the answer, let's get a little bit of context because I am not convinced the story of the wedding feast says what people think it does. I want you to listen to some rather blunt statements from the Bible, and then we'll go back to the village of Cana and ask this question. Would Jesus contradict the scriptures? And the answer is obviously no, he wouldn't do that. So bear that in mind, and let's look at a couple of really blunt, obvious statements. And here's the first one found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 20, verse 1. Listen to this. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Now, that seems pretty straightforward. Wine and strong drink are bad ideas. And just in case you think strong drink means 40% alcohol, just remember, there was no such thing in Solomon's day. Their strong drink was roughly like our wine or beer, and even then it was watered down. The alcohol content was lower than the stuff people drink today. And the Bible says whoever is led astray by that is not wise. So you have to wonder, if there's a chance that even one person at the wedding was about to be led astray, could you really see Jesus providing the alcohol? I'm going to let you think about that for a moment, and I'm going to take a break, and then I'm going to come back and show you something else. Don't you go away. I'll be right back. Do you feel as if you have more questions than answers in your life? Where is God when people suffer? Can I find real happiness? And is there any hope for our chaotic world? Are you searching for answers to these and other of life's biggest questions? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or pick up the phone and call us at 888-456-7922 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free lessons mailed right to your home. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Just before the break, we took a look at a passage in the book of Proverbs that tells us that alcohol mocks us. It leads to brawling or fighting. And then a few chapters later, Solomon gives one of the most striking descriptions of alcohol I've ever read. It's in Proverbs 23, verse 29. Here's what he says. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Now, that sounds like a great description of the emergency room on a Saturday night. Wounds without cause. It continues, who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. He's clearly describing alcohol. He's describing the way that alcohol behaves in a glass. It finishes, at the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Now that is a remarkable description. 3,000 years ago, they called it like they saw it, and not one thing has changed in all that time. This is still one of the biggest causes of misery in the human race, and yet Christians say that Jesus was giving out alcohol. And I say, no way. There is no way that Jesus, the Son of God, 
the Creator come in human flesh, there is no way He would contribute to the misery and suffering of this planet. There was no way He would add to our sorrow. Not after watching us suffer for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Not after watching drunk husbands hit their wives or drunk husbands spending their children's food money. Not after watching talented people made in the image of God throw everything away because of alcohol. There is no way Jesus would do that. I say baloney. And yet the Bible does say that Jesus turned water into wine right there in John chapter 2. And I am convinced Jesus did exactly that. I'm just not convinced the wine was alcoholic for a number of reasons. Number one, both alcohol and non-alcoholic grape juice were just called wine in those days. So you have to read the context to figure out which one it's talking about. Reason number two, it says that Jesus made something like 120 to 180 gallons of wine. There were six pots holding 20 to 30 gallons each. And Cana was a tiny town. In all likelihood, there were probably less than 100 people at that wedding feast. So really, did Jesus really make two gallons of liquor for everybody? Two gallons? Can you really see that? I mean, can you honestly see Jesus throwing a kegger and providing the beer? Really? It just doesn't fit the character of God. It doesn't fit a God who spent more time healing than preaching. It doesn't fit a God who weeps when you hurt. And my third objection? Listen, weddings in Jesus' time went on for days. And yet the governor of that feast, when he tasted the wine that Jesus made, he said, this is the best I've ever had. Now let's be honest. If they'd been drinking, if they'd been tying one on for a day or two or three, how in the world would the governor know the difference? How would he know? If you're hammered, if you're drunk, you can't tell the difference between good and bad alcohol. And honestly, after you're drunk, you don't even care. It could be aftershave that they're serving, and you'd think that was delicious too. But that governor was sober near the end of that party. He was sober. They weren't drinking. And look, I, I know I'm stepping on toes. I know we like to think that alcohol is different, that it can be part of our lives. And if I'm really honest, I know that a beer tastes good on a hot day because once upon a time I used to drink quite a bit of it. But a careful study of the Bible reveals a negative attitude towards alcohol. There's just no getting around it. It does mention giving alcohol to a dying man to ease his pain, basically a medicinal use, but recreational use? I think you need to go back and take another look because I think we've been wrong. And I guess the point is this. It's not just American law that's been inconsistent. Christians have been inconsistent too. We've been treating those things differently. I think there are lots of reasons not to use pot, and I believe the church's traditional stance is right. As Christians, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, you don't want to mess with your brain. You just don't want to mess with psychoactive substances. Your brain is the primary vehicle for communication with God. Paul says your mind is to be renewed. And when it comes to street drugs, we know your mind isn't being renewed. But maybe it's time to reconsider alcohol. I mean, by all means, go ahead and look at this in your Bible. Ask yourself the hard questions. And even if you're not worried about renewing your own mind, make no mistake, even one drink impairs your judgment. And even if you're not worried about that, then worry about the fact that this causes so much misery for millions of people. And ask yourself as a Christian, is that where God would have you spend His money? Look, I don't have time to go into this any further today, so my plea is really very simple. It's just not American law that's been inconsistent. Christians have been inconsistent too. If we're going to boycott the personal use of marijuana, maybe it's time to boycott the personal use of liquor. 
I mean, just think of this as a boycott on one of the biggest sources of misery in all of God's creation. Think about this. I mean, what would happen if alcohol just disappeared? What would we really lose if people had one less way to kill themselves, one less way to mess with their lives and to mess with their minds? What would we lose? I'm not advocating a law against alcohol. I'm not even sure that would work. But I am advocating a personal boycott, a stand for decency, a stand against suffering, because that only seems consistent. I'm Sean Boonstra. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to The Voice of Prophecy. Life and its daily challenges can weigh us down, even when we have the best of intentions, leaving us with more questions than answers. Is it possible to have true peace and happiness in life? Are you searching for answers to this and other of life's most challenging questions? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7922 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online or on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions.